This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Welcome, friends, to another r slash malicious compliance video. So I was checking my statistics, and it turns out that only one of you guys aren't subscribed. So if you don't want to be that one holdout, make sure to hit the like and subscribe buttons down below. That said, our first story of the day is by old retired SNCO. Use the law to withhold my deposit? Well, okay, here we go. This was a few years ago, so some of the details are a little fuzzy, but I smile every time I think about this. I moved to California in 2010 and had lined up a house on a three-acre property with a nice-sized detached barn. We were on a rent-to-own to allow time to get settled and secure the loan to buy the property. So we had a standard California rental agreement with the handshake agreement it would not be needed once we purchased the house. A couple little things to fill in, the female owner was a realtor, so there was a reasonable expectation she knew what she was doing. The husband was… weird. I can't explain it past that, but part of the agreement was that we actually bought the horse that was boarded on the property, and also had the detached barn full of their old crap, with the agreement that it would be removed by the owners once we purchased. So we move in, things are going fairly good. We have several cats at the time, but keep the house cleaned up, and we had one cat prone to accidents, but for the most part we kept everything good. Sometime during the winter, we have an issue with the septic system. The owner proceeds to let it slip, the septic was not put in legally and was not correct. Okay, they still paid for repairs. A month or so later, a water line the husband installed to use for watering the horse broke, and again found out it was not done correctly. This time, I was forced to pay for it. Okay, cool. Once I found out about the septic, I started looking for other houses and found one available, and we were able to get it. At this point, I give the owner about two months notice. We had done some improvements on the property, including a tack shed for all the horse gear. My stepdaughter loved horses and the horse was hers, so almost immediately the owner's attitude changes, and I realize we are in for a long two months. We're slowly moving into the new house as we have time. During this time, the owner was randomly showing up without 24 hours notice, California law, attempting to show the house with zero warning, and the best one, she started inspecting the house before we were even moved out. At this point, we were about 75% moved. The new house was on 12 and a half acres, and we did not have a pen to put the horse and goats into. One day, I get home from work, and we have to call a vet out. Owner's daughter, who used to own the horse, decided to give the horse and our two goats a year's worth of glucosamine supplements for the horse. We ended up with a several hundred dollar vet bill. So we sped up things and ended up clearing a few weeks early. Because of this, there were a few odds and ends left behind, including a wooden run-to for the goats. I spent about $500 on cleaning alone to make sure we got our deposit back. I even brought in a professional cleaning service to finish the house up. I spent many times moving from base housing while military. This is common. So we complete the final walkthrough with the owner, and she seems happy. She says she'll figure everything out and send me a check. Okay, cool. About four weeks after the original move-out date, 
I get a large manila envelope in the mail from the owner. Strange, but okay, cool. I open it and she's trying to charge me in the neighborhood of $2,500 on top of the $2,000 deposit she's keeping. Okay, lady, let's see what you got. In the envelope is about 10 small mailer envelopes and about 300-ish pictures of various things on the property and in the house, along with a six-page letter outlining what I owe her for. So I start reading, couple hundred for trash removal, including a list of items removed, and the receipt for removal, several hundred for paint. During the walkthrough, I offered to paint the rooms we had painted. One was an obnoxious cotton candy pink, and the owner said no, it was fine. There's also a charge for close to $3,000 for brand new carpeting and high-end padding from Lowe's, as well as the receipt and also an itemized charge for labor. I believe there were a few other items, but I don't have the paperwork in front of me. Now, my first reaction was pure rage. I was seeing red. I wrote the nastiest letter to her three different times and took a step back. She had threatened to take me to court. Cue malicious compliance. I pulled up California rental laws, and at the time, there was a great website that explained what an owner could legally charge you for. So I sat down, and I believe the entire letter I responded to her with was around 15 pages. The highlights, I was not responsible for the painting or labor associated with, as I provided the final inspection that did not note any issues with paint color. I was not responsible for the trash removal, as she listed one item that was ours. The plywood run to in the field and the items actually listed were all her personal items removed from the detached barn and it was not my responsibility. I was not responsible for paying the emergency plumbing repair mentioned earlier and I provided the bill and the fact that it was emergency as it was flooding over half the property and making the entrance to the property impossible. The best one was the last one, the carpets. So in her letter, she mentioned a horrible smell of cat urine, which she proceeds to explain occurred during the illegal inspections. She also had provided documentation on the cost of materials, including all her purchases. The best part? They were all dated prior to our final walkthrough. No matter the result, she was replacing that carpet. So California law is very specific on what the owner can charge for carpets. At the final walkthrough, she was okay with the carpets but then changed her mind a few days later. So I explained to the letter that I was responsible for roughly one-thirtieth of the cost of replacement, as she graciously showed me the 10-year-old carpet was good for 30 years. So due to the fact it was normal wear and tear, I agreed to cover that portion. It was only a couple hundred. Now in her letter, she threatened legal action as well. So I put everything together, including a final breakdown of what was owed to her and what was owed to me, and it was close to $1,500. I also informed her I was ready to take the case to court if she didn't agree with me, as that was the next legal step. About a month later, she had 30 days to respond. I get a check for $1,250 and a short note saying she expected this issue was considered resolved. I have never smiled so much cashing a check. Let me ask you guys. If you were doing a rent-to-own type thing, and a short time into your time living there, the septic just totally acts up. You find out that the septic was not legally installed correctly, but the owner goes, no, it's fine, I'll cover the costs, I'll fix it. Would that still be enough of a situation for you to give up and look for a completely different place? 
Let me know what you think in the comments down below. And our final story of the day is by Hendergoal. Disable an employee's innovative screen layout in video indexing application? Okay, I'll do that. Too bad about those sales figures though. This happened back in the days when companies had call centers in the US. I'm old. I worked for Company X, not its real name. Company X got a lot of its business from inbound and outbound telemarketing. I worked for the branch of Company X that set up and managed the call centers where their CSRs worked. The call center the story's about was pretty big. Hundreds and dozens of CSRs sat in a big bullpen with X-Windows terminals at their workstations. X-Windows terminals were basically just displays, advanced for the time, but all the actual work happened on servers elsewhere. Think of the terminals as just a screen, keyboard, and mouse that only ran the equivalent of a web browser. A CSR could sit anywhere in the bullpen and flip the on switch of the terminal to get the standard homepage. You weren't allowed to change the standard homepage, or anything else for that matter. Everything you did as a CSR was via a script. There was no deviation from the script allowed. In theory and practice, human customers are prone to going off script. One of the apps? I don't think they called them at that time, but it's essentially the same thing, an icon you could click on to do a thing, was a video player that allowed the CSRs to look up a commercial that a customer would call about. This was an inbound telemarketing site. Think of it like a private YouTube, I guess? The commercials themselves didn't have a ton of information about what the services and terms that were offered, and the clipped voiceovers that came at the end were hard to hear or interpret. So the idea was that the customers would call, and then the CSR would find the commercial on the app and explain the offer to the customer, hopefully leading to a sale. The app was pretty buggy. Networks, even local access networks, didn't have a lot of bandwidth back then, and video playback ate up a ton of it. Plus, the descriptions in the video's metadata weren't always the greatest, so CSR and customer conversations tended to be long discussions like, is it one where the little boy talks to his grandpa about calling during the holidays? No? Is the little boy black or white? Oh, it's a little girl? And it's the grandma, not the grandpa? Wait, is it the one where there's a picture of a horse on the wall? I'm looking at it right now. It's a black horse. No, the horse is black, not the little girl. Call times for those types of calls were abysmal. Add to that a very confusing home screen layout, and the result was that sales numbers for the site were pretty bad. Enter Jake which might be his real name because I can't actually remember it. He was a comp sci major at some school that I also don't remember. Jake did not like the workflow of the mandatory slash standard home screen, and he hated the stupid commercial video app. So, being a comp sci major, he did the logical thing. He fixed it. Jake figured out that you could interrupt the boot up process of your workstation and get it to load its configuration from somewhere else. I don't remember the exact method he used, but the end result was a very efficient workflow that allowed him to walk customers through the process in a fraction of the standard or mandatory time. Jake also started writing up detailed descriptions for the commercials indexed by topic, market, where the commercials aired, etc. And even having the era's equivalent of tags. An example, picture horse or character grandpa. He put all of that into a searchable database he created. He somehow got that on his workstation as well. The end result was that Jake could take a call, figure out what video the customer was inquiring about, and walk them through the offering, terms and conditions, and sign someone up in five minutes where it took any of the other CSRs 15 to 20. 
Disclaimer, I'm pulling those metrics for my butt. The point is, Jake set things up so he was much more efficient than the others, using the standard and mandatory tools. Eventually, Jake's cool new home screen got noticed by the other CSRs. They wanted their numbers for call duration and sales to improve as well, so they asked Jake how he did it, and Jake very kindly showed them how. Pretty soon, a lot of other people were upping their game with Jake's cool new home screen and video index database. You know what happened next. One of the bullpen managers noticed that Jake's terminal always looked different from everybody else's. That would not do. The handbook specifically stated that employees were not allowed to change the terminal. Worse, Jake's video index database made it easy to simplify the script that CSRs were required to use. Going off script was a huge deal. Managers had these headsets that let them listen in on any call, and they could screen mirror any employee's screen. Jake got called into a meeting and let go. I never heard what happened to him, but I suspect he graduated from his comp sci program and went on to do great things. Jake, or whatever your name is, if you read this, sorry you got fired. That was a pretty crappy thing for them to do. I hope you invented Google or something and are now reading this from the deck of your mega yacht. I got called into a different meeting, the topic being, how do we prevent employees from hacking the workstations? I was like, this dude you just fired increased his efficiency in sales numbers by orders of magnitude. Shouldn't the first topic be, how do we implement these same changes for all of the CSRs? My suggestion was not well received. Jake's hack would supposedly cost the company tons of money for retraining, not to mention the salaries required of folks like me, who were tasked to prevent other CSRs from, gasp, improving efficiency. It wasn't an approved standard. Legal hadn't reviewed it. The folks who monitor ADA hadn't vetted it. It promoted reckless behavior in other CSRs. The script had been developed by a lot of people whose job it was to develop scripts. It wasn't Jake's job to develop scripts or apps. It was Jake's former job to read the darn script, say the words on it, and use the tools that were given to him. I spent a lot of time and energy trying to convince my management and Company X's management to use Jake's improvements. But the bottom line was, I was told to just fix it and to obliterate all traces of Jake's hacks. I wasn't even allowed to keep a copy of Jake's database. So I shrugged my shoulders and did exactly what I was told to do with predictable effect. Call lengths increased, sales rates sank, CSRs who were looking at nice fat bonuses suddenly saw those become impossible and not a few of them quit. Customers started dropping off calls because they were taking too long. Company X probably lost a ton of business, although I'd be hard pressed to quantify it. But it was cool because the bullpen managers were getting their fad bonuses for script compliance. And I got a big pat on the back for figuring out how to lock down the terminals. I honestly don't even remember how I did it, probably just a BIOS password or something stupid like that. In the end, it probably didn't matter all that much. Company X moved all their telemarketing overseas and that particular call center shut down. Technology has moved on, but I honestly hope there's someone out there hacking whatever workstations they're forced to use. You can definitely tell that this is an old school call center or tech 
company. I mean, I guess it's just a call center, but I feel like in the modern days, employees are encouraged to look for any kind of efficiency boosting shortcut or workaround or anything like that. Nowadays, I feel like if an employee found something like that, hopefully they would actually implement it because they realize how incredibly valuable that is. I too hope that Jake is sitting on some mega yacht somewhere being like, I'm glad they fired me, I went on to bigger and better things. But with that being said, that's all the time we have for today. So of both these stories today, which was your personal favorite and why? Let me know in the comments down below. And if you haven't yet, if you could like and subscribe, that would mean a lot to me. Whatever you do, whether it's liking, subscribing, turning notifications on, all of it helps grow this channel and I appreciate the heck out of it. So until next time, I'll see you all tomorrow with some more stories. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.